Welcome to Excel Boats on the X Podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. The only podcast to bring you insights on the world of hunting, fishing, and boating. With your host, J. Paul Jackson. You don't say much, do you? Now, load up and side in. This is On the X. Welcome to the Excel Boats on the X podcast powered by Mud Buddy Motors. I'm Jay Paul Jackson, your host, and today I'm joined by special guest co-host directly from the Excel Boat Studios, Mr. Dave Reynolds, and we also have a very, very special guest that here during duck season, we're super excited to have uh, on our program today, the king of duck calling himself, Mr. Rick Dunn from Echo Calls. Rick, how's it going, buddy? Going good. Uh Glad to be here. We're really, really glad to have you here. And Dave, I just saw you last week in Arkansas. I see you're sitting in your office in Salt Lake City. So evidently the plane flapped its wings okay and you made it home. It did. Made it home Friday night in time to actually get into some hunting in Utah as well. So hunting Arkansas and uh, Utah on the same week doesn't get better than that. No, that's pretty cool. Uh, I, I wanted to come out there. I know it looks like your weather's perfect for tomorrow. And we talked yesterday afternoon about maybe us flying out this evening, but then Mother Nature jumped, dumped about eight inches of snow on us here. And tonight, the temperature oh, is supposed to get down to zero. So I really couldn't, couldn't beg away from the kennels to go all the way out to Utah. But thanks for the invite. How's it for you over there, Rick? Well, today it was down to 10 degrees and uh, we were froze up. I didn't go this morning. Uh, probably could have gone to the White River and killed a couple of ducks over there, but uh, it's been pretty slow along the river, but hopefully it's going to thaw out in the next couple of days and we'll be back at it. Yeah, it looks like by the weekend, maybe we'll get a thaw over there. I was looking, you know, the temperatures here in northwest Tennessee are looking significantly colder for the next several days than they're looking for, you know, in central and southern Arkansas. That's got to be a good thing for you guys. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we've, we've got to have warm weather to, to hunt in the shallows that we hunt in. Let me ask you something. I, I know that you, of course, make some of the best calls on the market. I love my Echo DRT, but I mean, you, you got into this because you're an awfully serious duck hunter. How, how many days a year do you actually spend during the 60-day Arkansas season in the woods? Well, uh, let me say this. I, I used to never miss a day. Uh, but now then <laughs> I'm 67 years old and last year I think I missed six or seven days this year I've already probably missed probably six or seven but but mainly because of the freeze wow but you're still gonna hunt 50 days at least out of the 60 oh, day season yes for sure man that that's going hard at it I know <laughs> Dave he's got that 107 day season and he probably hits even more days than that but as oh, a percentage yeah. I, I, that ranks pretty doggone high among duck hunters up there I would say oh um, yeah I'm pretty jealous I mean yeah we have actually 115 day season we started uh first Saturday in October and we're going to close this Saturday so it's a long long season but wow. you know we have uh yeah, sometimes during the season where it's frozen solid and, and uh, you lose the birds. You know, right now we haven't had a winter here in Utah. All the water's open and the birds are back. So it, it's really the late season, pretty variable. Could be good, could be bad, but still 115 days is a long time. So sooner or later, you're going to get them. 
<laughs> no doubt. I'm jealous, 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 bad. I mean, it's about to be over here too. And I'm already thinking about next year. I, yeah. I, just 60 days is not enough, is it, Rick? No, it's no, not. That's a teaser. My, my wife would love a 60-day season, but I think that ain't it. <laughs> Yeah, well, that brings me to my next question, Rick. I, I hear duck calls going in the background there. You're obviously in your office there at the shop. Um, how did you get started in this business? Well, uh, when it started off, it started off as a hobby. And in 1975, I just kind of wanted to make a call that I could blow. And uh, so I kind of, you know, twiddled around and, and turned some calls down, and uh, they didn't really sound very good. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> And back then, there was not very many people that were turning calls. You know, Chick Majors was turning calls. Uh, Howard Amadon, handbone calls, he was turning calls. But nobody would give you uh, any pointers. You know, it was hush, hush back then. So I just basically trial and error. And after about 50 inserts, I tried to cut the soundboard out. I finally got one to blow, you know, halfway decent. So uh i took it hunting and the guy I was hunting with you know wanted it so i gave it to him so i said well i'll just make me another one and then uh uh still you know just making it for myself and then i made another one didn't take but a couple more inserts and i had the other one sounding fairly good and uh another guy i was hunting with wanted it and and so i gave it to him and then, uh, not to make it too long of a story, but the third one that I made after after these fifty uh, really sounded good, and you know I had no no intentions of giving it away because uh, it sounded that good. Uh, but anyhow, a guy offered me money for it, and I said, "Nah, I don't want to sell." And he says, "Well, I'll give you forty bucks for it." And this was back in nineteen seventy five. You know, forty bucks was big money. So I said, "Well, here you just bought yourself a duck call." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so anyhow. Uh, I had perfected it pretty pretty good at that point, and I probably sold a two or three hundred more calls that year, and uh, you know for about forty bucks a piece. And like I said, that was good money back in nineteen seventy five, and that's how I got started. Wow! How'd you come upon the name Echo Calls? Gosh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I can't really remember. I said, you know, what sounds as much like a duck as anything, and then I, I started saying, well, it's Echo. And then, you know, we've had people say, well, ducks don't make an echo. And then, believe it or not, uh, Georgia Tech University sent me an uh, email saying they did a study on it, and ducks do echo in the woods. Uh, they said any, any noise will echo if the uh, environment around it's right. So, I don't know. It's just, uh, just one that I came up with, and, uh, and it kind of stuck. You know, it's funny because you, you say that a few years ago, I was hunting in Montana and we were hunting in kind of a box canyon mm -hmm. uh, in a bend in the river and downstream from us, there were a bunch of ducks sitting, sitting on the Little Bighorn River. Uh, it was super cold. It was probably five above that day. And of course, you know, they were hitting the open water in the sandbars there on the river and, uh, we didn't even have to call. We just put out our decoys because there were all these hens downriver from us. And every time they'd raise up to flap their wings and quack, it would echo off the wall of the canyon. Yeah. yeah. And ducks would actually work our decoys hearing that echo. So, wow. yeah, I know firsthand that duck calls will a echo. Duck, yeah, a duck will echo. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, just, yeah, just like the old days, Jay Paul, when they had the actual calling ducks that they uh, tethered to your, your spread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Let me I tell you, if I could have an English that. calling hen as a pet, I would have one. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rick, uh, that first call you made, do you still have that one in your line? I do not. Uh, the, the, like I said, the very first one I sold, and, uh, uh, you know, I've got a couple of, really old calls that were the first ones that I made, but, but not the first one. Mm -hmm. But that model, are you still yeah. making it after the model of that third one that you first sold for 40 bucks? Uh, no, <laughs> no, that one, we call that a, what uh, we call it a fat bottom now. And, uh, it, yeah, I'm going to say it lacked a little bit of character. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what, you know, I know you make a whole lot of different models and uh, mm -hmm. uh, I want to get into that in, in just a minute, but before we go there, um, if you've got somebody that's a beginner mm -hmm. for a starter call, what would you recommend somebody? They've just got into duck hunting. They're trying to learn how to blow a duck call. Which call out of your line would you recommend? Okay. For beginners, you know, we usually uh, lean towards uh, a double read because it's a little more user-friendly. And in, in the double read line, you know, we've got acrylics, uh, the, the DRT model and the uh, meat hanger model. And then we have the diamond woods. And the diamond wood is priced uh, a little more uh, mid-range than any of them. I think the diamond woods are $54.95 and we sell a ton of those. And for a beginner, I would, I would push them towards that. And the reason if they decided they wanted to go on to a single recall, uh, they could still do that. And if they decided they wanted another double recall, they could still go on and, you know, and get a double recall. But it's a mid-range call and it's very easy to blow. And uh, it really sounds good. It's, it's, a, it's really a good call. Yeah, oh, I love your DRT. I, I actually have one that you personally made for me. I don't know if you remember that call that you made for me with the Excel logo. Right. Uh -huh. And I, I absolutely love that model. It's a great, great call. And it is. I tell people that all the time that ask that same question. If you want to uh, blow a duck call beginning, probably get an echo double read because your your double read calls are so easy. And, and you know, your inserts. How many different manufacturers, how many different call makers are out there with their name on the barrel, but you made the guts? I, I'm going to be, be honest with you. I don't know for sure. Uh, we do sell a lot of those inserts to call makers. We, to, to maybe to give you an idea, we, we probably sell 60,000 inserts to different call makers a year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot of, that's a lot of calls. Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the blind with somebody and I've heard their call, wow, you're blowing an echo and, no, and they'll go, oh no, it's such and such model. And then I'll take a look at that insert with those two rings right there around the end of the barrel, you know, your right. signature deal. And I'll go, okay, it may say that on the barrel, but let me tell you, those guts were made in BB, Arkansas. You're blowing an echo call for all practical yeah. purposes. Well, the way I kind of got started on that is uh, I had some friends that were uh, wanting to make calls but they didn't know enough to make a soundboard, you know? So I really did it to help them out. And uh, it really hasn't hurt our business any, you know what I'm saying? So I do that to try to help the other call makers out that, that can't 
really make a, you know an insert on their own because it is it is pretty difficult you know a lot of trial and error uh, I mean nowadays you could take somebody else's call down and probably have it duplicated but uh, if somebody's just trying to make one from scratch it's it's really not that easy as a matter of fact there's probably only about 10 people in the United States that could do it without having it duplicated wow. that know, know enough about it and there are a lot more coal manufacturers now than there were 10 years ago. I mean, you just pick up a max every, and every year there's two or three new call makers. And there's yeah. A huge, uh, I imagine a growing business as well. Yes. yes. Tell me, um, what's your hottest model? What do you have out there right now that you're really excited about and proud of? Well, the newest one we've got out now and um, it's, it's probably the hottest thing we've got going right this moment. It's the fastest growing. Uh, of course, it started smaller and, and it's gaining momentum. But our ace in the hole is a cut-down call. And the cut-down calls are, let me say this, they're regionally specific, you know, to certain regions. So if you go up there to Utah, there's not going to be very many people blowing uh, a cut-down call or an ace in the hole. But down towards the Stuttgart area, down towards Gillette, down towards, uh, you know, lower White River, all through there, that's just about all they blow. So it's, it's, uh, it's turned into a pretty good seller. Mississippi Delta, full of cut-down blowers these mm -hmm. days. And these cut-down contests are becoming enormously popular around. Right. Mm -hmm. and I, I can understand why, because I can't blow one. I mean, that bark, mm -hmm. you know, that you've got to do – I, I've, I've tried it. I actually have an old oak that is old, that is a true cut down. And, and for those of you guys listening to the podcast that aren't familiar with a cut down call, um, Rick, explain that for us. You could probably do it a whole lot better than I can. Well, okay. Old, uh, in, I think it was 1905, Oak came out with a, what's called a keyhole. Uh, and it has a 14,000th read in it, which is, thicker than the normal duck call read. And uh, even back then, these calls were pretty loud. And since that time, people have got those calls and with themselves have cut them down. And what they do when they cut them down is they'll take the very front of the soundboard and cut it back and let the reed just barely hang over or not, you know, just, but it comes right to the end of the soundboard. And then, uh, another thing they'll do is they'll drill out uh, what's called the web. It's at the back of the cork slot, and they'll drill that out, and it actually lets more air through, and it also makes them louder. But anyhow, they'll do that. They'll cock the reed up a little bit more, or sometimes they'll lay them down a little bit more, whatever they like. You know what I'm saying? But it's, it's actually been manipulated from the original. Right. I mean, and, and that's what I was alluding to. I have an, a, an, a, the original cut down call. If you have a true original cut down call, it's going to be that 1905 model, which isn't the model number for it, but that 1905 model PSO that someone is, has mm -hmm. taken and customized. Right. And, uh, and, you know, now they've become so hard to find and so much demand. It's made a niche in your industry for you, hadn't it? it exactly. And, you know, uh, that, as far as I know, that's the only call that we've actually uh, copied a soundboard on because it's a soundboard that has been out since 1905. And, you know, you can have a patent on something for like 17 years 
and everybody's doing it. So uh, I don't feel like we did anything wrong, but uh, uh, it's actually, it's basically a copy of an old, uh, the keyhole old. Now, old made two versions. They made a uh, elongated version with a round hole on the exhaust, and then they made a keyhole, and it was a cock reed where it was cocked up, and uh, that's the one that everybody duplicates. I know you sent me one of those, Rick, and um, I do use it here in Utah, and I found it very effective hunting smaller potholes. Really? And uh, yeah, it, it's deadly. I'll tell you the reason being is nobody else has a call that sounds like that. Mm -hmm. I have that call, and uh, you know, maybe you're ODB, and you get such a variation in tones and sounds between those two calls. You know, it, right. you know, it, that cut down is a good sounding call. It's a more challenging call to master. I mean, it takes, <laughs> takes some practice, but once you have it nailed down, it is. Uh, it is deadly. In fact, I think when you sent me that call, I had a pretty bad cold the first couple of days. And, uh, you know, I, with that cold, I didn't have the volume to even blow that call. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, man, it's, uh, you learn that call, and uh, it is an ace in the hole. Ace, you know, it's, a, it's an effective tool. Man, it's a shame that I can't blow one either. I couldn't blow anybody's cut down call if you held a gun to my head so, but i sure love the way they sound and dave is exactly right i think that's you know why they're becoming so popular because it is such a unique sound and i'm sure you can testify to this rick for sure you know you hunt in some amazing areas with tremendous numbers of mallards and if you're sitting in a field or in the woods listening to a bunch of hen mallards they don't all sound alike no they don't all even sound good i mean i've heard ducks that if i blew a duck call and made the same noise the guys i'm hunting with would be giving me the the evil eye <laughs> would yeah, you agree I, with that oh i agree 100 percent. as a matter of fact uh last year uh we had uh we got a little hole that we hunt that's in uh in raft creek and uh we had a, a hen come in there and land off to one end of the hole and she was just sitting there cutting up and she'd raise up you know how they do and flap their wings and then she'd she would squall out, bang, 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 bang. Well, she did it four or five times, and we were still waiting for greenheads. Well, there was three greenheads and a hen that made a circle, and they were fixing to come in. <laughs> and she did that. She got up there and bang, 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 and squawked on her last note, and they took off. <laughs> <laughs> she flared the ducks. She flared the ducks. And Hey, hey, so Dave, when I was flaring those birds last week, look, even ducks do it sometimes. I know, you're just trying to sound more authentic. I know. <laughs> I guarantee you. <laughs> wow. So you Jake Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that. Uh, I try my best. Heck, I hit some bad notes too, but when I'm blowing an echo insert, that makes it a heck of a lot easier. And that's a fact. That's not just a free plug, Rick. I do love your inserts. And uh, next question that I wanted to ask you about. Um, Man, you are almost synonymous with Excel boats. I mean, e even more so than I am. I mean, you know, when I, if I think about Echo Calls and Rick Dunn and the Echo Boys, if you will. Right. You know, I, I got a picture in my mind of you and a bunch of your guys standing around an Excel boat with a mud buddy in green timber somewhere. <laughs> How did that marriage occur? Well, I mean, we started using Excel boats in, uh, they were so so durable and well-built. I mean, 
Freddie hunts with us, you know what I'm saying? And he's really hard on stuff. I mean, really hard. Not not just a little bit. You, you probably, <laughs> he's no, he, once, he once wanted to sell me a four-wheeler. And I said, Freddie, <laughs> my buddy, very, very politely, I don't want to get anything secondhand that's been yours first. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, he's hard on a boat for sure. He's hard on boats. But let me tell you this. We use the boat. And uh, it went through, I hate to say this over there, it went through hell. I mean, it just, it was banged against trees. It was run over rocks, it, everything. I mean, it was abused as bad as you can abuse a boat. And we got through the hunting season and it looked almost new by the time we washed it off. I mean, it was really, it, it's unbelievable. So, you know, we don't really recommend products that we don't believe in, and we really believe in XL boats. Best built boat on the market, bar none. It's the very best. It's the toughest, most durable, and it'll last longer than any boat that you can buy. Well, we appreciate uh, your support. You know, uh, you know, we couldn't get better field testers than you, and uh, especially uh, Freddie. He sold us a lot of boats. I tell you, I talk to people all day long. People. In fact, I talked to a guy in Southern California last week. How's Freddie doing, man? Yeah. That guy is crazy, man. Yeah. He's the reason I bought my boat. And here's, you know, he's got some broad appeal all the way to, you know, Southern California. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, and people watching. Uh, couldn't be where we are today without you guys. People we appreciate watching that. The, sorry, guys. People watching the torture that you put those boats through on all of your videos also hadn't heard us a whole lot. You know, on the flip side of that, though, Dave, we're almost shooting ourselves in the foot because, you know, you, you can't wear an Excel boat out. So it makes it really, really difficult you know, for those repeat customers. But uh, it is true. You just have to come out with new, improved models, you know, uh, new camo patterns, you know, reasons yeah. to buy a new boat. I mean, when we came out with that OptiFade, you know, we, we've got a lot of people that swap. They wanted that OptiFade pattern so bad. And they bought a new boat. In fact, I got a lot of calls, you know, y'all repaint boats at the Excel plant. I got this boat in, in Max 4. I want to send it to the plant. And unfortunately, we're just too busy, you know, with the production line building boats to camel boats at the Excel plant. In fact, I had a guy who had a gator tail boat and motor. He wanted to bring his boat to the Excel plant to have a mode and Optifade. <laughs> <laughs> told him we couldn't do that uh, yeah, that would yeah. probably be wrong that's on a bunch a, of different levels definite no on that one but, uh, <laughs> that was not just no that was hell no <laughs> man you know speaking of boats and boating we were talking at the beginning uh of the podcast before or actually before we went on air about the conditions that we've got going on right now uh you know, when it gets down and the, the timber starts to freeze, you were saying that you hit the White River most of the time? Yes. Yeah. And I do the same. I, I hit the Mississippi River. And, uh, you know, this is going to be uh, published with a few days left in the duck season. And I'd like to remind all of our listeners out there, man, late season can be fantastic. And I love my Excel boat because I feel so safe in it. We've got so much flotation. We, you know, in the F4 Viper, we greatly exceed Coast Guard minimum standards. But I also want to challenge everybody out there, you know, man, right now is a very, very dangerous time of the year to be on the water. 
And uh, everybody, you know, use some common sense. You face this all the time on the, you know, big open waters of the Great Salt Lake, Dave. What do you think the two main uh, causes uh, of fatalities and boating accidents during duck season are? Well, I'd say the primary is probably overloading the boat. It's too many gear, too much gear, too many hunters, too much weight in the boat. And, you know, secondly, uh, not paying attention to the weather. Uh, you, we have some lakes that get very, very rough when there's wind. And exactly. uh, we have fatalities in the Great Salt Lake, Utah Lake, when that wind kicks up. And typically it's guys in smaller boats, 14-foot boats that are over, overloaded. Uh, they just can't handle handle the weather, the conditions. So, yeah, I agree with you. I mean, it's an awesome time to hunt, but it can be very treacherous. You really have to watch the weather. Uh, you know, I know the hunting's good when that wind cranks up, but it's uh, if you don't have the right boat, it's it's not worth it for a few ducks to risk your lives. You know, it, uh, we see it happen, unfortunately, all over the country. No doubt about it. I got a call um, this morning from a buddy of mine who's retired Coast Guard. And, you know, that's why I brought this up. He called me. He said, hey, you fixing to go out on the big river over the next couple of days? And I said that, yeah, either the Mississippi or, or a river over in Arkansas. And, uh, you know, he reminded me that the two most common reasons for fatalities are, and, and overloading would fall into this category, number one, poor decisions. Just, you know, poor judgment. Mm -hmm. Man, if you're out there and you've got to ask yourself, should I be doing this? Then you've probably already answered your question. You shouldn't be. And then the second thing is lack of preparedness. Uh, after we hung, after I hung up the phone with Rich, I went and I've got a little dry box that during cold, cold weather I keep in my boat with some extra clothes in it, a towel, uh, wool socks. You know, if you do get wet, the biggest. Uh, most important thing that you can do is conserve body heat and usually that's by getting out of all your wet clothes even if it's five degrees you're better off to strip naked and dress again in dry clothes than to stay in the wet ones the way that they rob body heat so anyway last week here coming up guys be careful out there on the water and of course if you're running the excel you've already got a leg up because <laughs> i definitely believe we make the safest boats out there well guys man I, I tell you i've enjoyed this a whole lot today and uh i guess rick you've got another 11 days you're probably going to hit 10 of them i would bet at least i will uh I, i'll probably uh, probably go tomorrow even though it's going to be down to 10 degrees tonight uh, we'll probably still be froze out, but I'll probably make a trip to the river just because we have so few days left. Just hate to miss anymore. <laughs> yeah, no doubt about it. Dave. Yeah. Uh, How about you, Jay Paul? Uh, <laughs> as soon as we sign off, I'm going down and I'm hooking up to my boat and I'm headed out to the river to do some scouting this afternoon. <laughs> so I plan on being in the middle of them somewhere, right. hopefully in some willows or next to a sandbar on the big river tomorrow morning with my film crew. And then as it thaws, we're going to try to slip back down to that uh, Marvel, Aubrey, Gillette area and do a little bit of hunting down there and cut down and call country. And, um, Next week, we're going to be closing out the season in what I call the Lost Flyway in northern Alabama. I got some buddies that 
have, believe it or not, Rick, there are guys in northern Alabama that have flooded green timber. Can you believe that? No, I've, I've heard of one spot that did, and it was just basically a little uh, beaver pond that overflowed, but uh, not any real, real open big timber. Yeah, you know, unbelievably, I started hunting down there a few years ago, and unbelievably, I know eight or ten different guys that have uh, private oak green timber uh, reservoirs and, and spots, and uh, they're actually on a couple of the public lands down there, a little bit of timber hunting also out around that North Saudi Refuge near Scottsboro, Alabama, and mm-hmm. that, uh, I won't divulge any of the locations because I don't want to have my throat slit the next time that I go down there. You know how protective public hunters are of their spots as well as anybody, Rick. Exactly. But there are some neat areas, so hopefully I'm going to be kicking water beside an oak tree next week in a state that begins with the letter A, but it will not be Arkansas. (laughs) Well, that'll be neat. Good luck to you. I hope you get out one more time before our season ends. Yeah, man, I hate I wasn't able to make it. It sounds like you've got a ringer lined up for Friday. Yeah, it should be good. We have a little storm rolling through, and uh, we found this place full of widgeon and, and mallards, so should be a, and a possibility of a Canada goose, too. So should be a good way to finish the season. Saturday, my boy has a ski competition, so I'll miss the last day of the season. But we go, we go late in the year. You have a, you know, skiing and hunting at the same time. It's uh, sometimes a little challenge. Got to flip a coin, decide am I going to go snow skiing or am I going to go duck hunting? (laughs) We don't have that problem here, do we, Rick? No, I hadn't had that problem in some time. (laughs) Although I could ski down the front hill on my yard right now. It's in pretty bad shape. (laughs) I can form snow than us right now, I guarantee you that. Amen. Amen. Well, Rick, thank you so much for taking the time today out of your schedule. I know you're very busy this time of the year. From what I understand, you're almost, y'all are building calls as fast as you can because your inventory has been super depleted. That's got to be a good thing. Yeah, look at that smile I'm getting out of him (laughs) just thinking about it. So I know you're very busy and we really appreciate that you took the time to join us. And we also want to thank you for the tremendous support that you've shown as an ambassador of Excel Boats and Mud Buddy Motors over the years. And man, just thrilled to have you today. Dave, I'll tell you what, you got a few days left. You better go after them hard and close it out. And it I'll be strong. I'm sorry you couldn't make it out. That would have been fun. But uh, next year for <laughs> sure, well, you got to come out next year. Maybe early hey. October when we'll. Yep. That's, hey, that's, man, I'm. Amen. I'm, I'm ready to be there. Well, guys, uh, I'm fixing to go out and hook up to my boat and hit the river. And for everybody out there listening, uh, I want to say thanks to Dave Reynolds. Tell uh, Rick that we really enjoyed having him. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Excel Boats on the X podcast, powered by Mud Buddy Motors. <laughs>